somebody asked about like designing the house. Yeah. One thing I thought that our architect did that was really cool, he asked us how we live our life. So he asked us to write a manifesto, like describing our lifestyle. So we talked about how we work from home. We're talking commune, manifestos. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But he did ask us to write sort of like a, a house manifesto. Yeah, a house manifesto. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davey Jones. We've reached episode 100. Well, technically we've already passed episode 100 if you count the intro and the founder series episodes, but regardless, we are excited to celebrate what feels like a big podcasting milestone. And I just wanna take a moment and say thank you for listening. I can't tell you how encouraging it is to receive emails and messages from people who listen to the podcast and have shared how it's impacted their business. And it's just been such a fun project to take on over the last few years, not really knowing where it's going, but it's been so much fun and I've learned so much along the way. We wrestled a bit with what the topic of episode 100 would be. I knew that Krista had to join me for this episode. And we eventually just decided to ask you all through Facebook and Instagram what questions you had for us. So we spend the episode chatting about all sorts of topics from advice we'd give business owners who are newly full-time in their business, to our daily routines and how we manage parenting while working from home, to how Krista got started in website design and other life updates. We hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. I've also decided that I want to answer more of your questions during each episode. So if you have a question that you'd like me or my guest to answer on the podcast, let us know by sending us a message on our website or by DMing us on Instagram. Be sure to check out the show notes at davyandkrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And I want to hear from you. Let me know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands at Book podcast, especially as we tackle our next 100 episodes. To leave your feedback, just send us a DM on Instagram at Davy and Krista. Now, on to episode 100. All right, we are back for episode 100 of the Brands at Book podcast. And if you could watch us right now, it's a pretty comical scene. We are scrunched together in front of one mic. And it's a great mic. But the thing about this mic is that you have to talk right into it. So we are very close right now. I'm also not as tall as Davey, so I have to be like almost kneeling in my chair in order to reach this microphone. Yeah. We'll have to get you a phone book uh, so that you can reach the mic. Anyways, I am excited about episode 100 here. And 
it's actually taken me some time to record this episode. And the reason being is because I feel like 100 episodes is a big milestone. One of my friends who also has a podcast, actually on her podcast recently, Fostering Voices, uh, Jihei, she told me that the average podcast lasts until seven episodes. And, you know, I haven't, haven't looked up the numbers to see if that's the case, but I feel like 100 is this big milestone. So I put a lot of pressure on myself to make this, you know, some grand episode. And, you know, turns out when you do that, you have trouble getting it done. So instead, we decided to go to the route of just asking people via Instagram, people in our Facebook group, what questions they would like us to answer on episode 100. And that's what we're going to do. So we have, you know, a decent amount of questions here, you know, that we went that we got from people. So almost 20 here. And we're just going to go through these questions. And these questions are a mix of business stuff, a mix of personal stuff. But I think these are a lot of really great questions. And one of the things that I want to change on the podcast going forward, and I've just been thinking, okay, you know, 100 episodes in, what can we do to change things up a little bit? One of those things is I want to do sort of a mailbag segment to the podcast. So I basically, on a weekly basis, want to collect questions from people and then at the end of each episode, go through some of those questions. Really answer any questions that you have. And they can be a, a mix of business or personal stuff. If it's a really good question, maybe we will talk about it at the beginning of an episode or maybe make it into an episode. So I'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, you can always DM us those questions on Instagram. That's probably the most reliable way to get in touch with us. You know, it's funny. I realized for 100 episodes, I have pretty much been saying in the intro, hey, send us a message on Facebook. And I check our Facebook messages like once a month. That's pretty funny. So just not a reliable way to to get in touch with us. But anyways, DM us on Instagram, send us a, an email at support at com, and let us know what questions that you have. We'd love to feature those on the podcast going forward. Something else that's exciting. Oh, what are we doing? I was just going to say you're kind of like the Dave Ramsey with answering questions, but of marketing. Oh, wow. High, high praise. I feel like that put a lot of unnecessary pressure on me as well. <laughs> Guys, so. I hope you send questions. Yeah. And I feel like Dave Ramsey, he can come off as pretty- Abrasive? Abrasive is a good word. But you guys are both Enneagram type eights. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people who, so Enneagram type eight is the challenger, right? And a lot of people that I talk to who ask about that, they're like, oh, really an eight? I, you know, I'm not quite sure I see it. And I'm like, well. Unless you live with him. <laughs> sure. But, and I never really let it out during a podcast. I feel like, I don't know, Dave Ramsey does it so well where, you know, he definitely, he definitely is kind to people, but in a, in a very fatherly way, he can be a little bit abrasive. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyways, we are also doing a giveaway uh, in coordination with episode 100. So to catch the details of that, either go to the show notes or go to Instagram and find out what we're giving away and how to enter. So we should get on to the questions. Yeah. Because we have a lot of them. Question one, how did you learn to design and build websites? So I didn't learn to design and build websites. <laughs> he still does not know how. Yeah, that's a Krista question. So 
I went to school for graphic design and we learned how to do basic websites there. I think they had us learn to build a website in this outdated Adobe program called Dreamweaver. And it basically made like really bad code. And then I also learned how to make a Flash website. So also like super dated. And I feel really old now talking about Dreamweaver and Flash because those are like not anything you would use these days. And I got an internship at a nonprofit and they had an opening in their web department. And I realized, okay, if I can learn to code and design websites, then I think I could get a job here. And so I got a bunch of books and I started playing around with code and I broke a ton of websites before I actually figured out how to do it. But I just learned through trial and error and through some really patient colleagues at my first job. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's funny. People will sometimes ask me design questions. I'll be like, hey, you know, you realize like I create all the content over at Davey and Krista and I focus on the podcast, but I'm actually not the one designing websites. I have learned at least a little bit of HTML and CSS and have dabbled a little bit. But at the end of the day, I mean, Krista is just so much more efficient in general than me. So <laughs> in all things. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, no, but I, along with Alex, do most of our website designing and building. Absolutely. And and I do have a hand in a lot of our website projects, but it's more from a user experience perspective, talking about user flow, outlining websites, things like that. But I am actually not responsible for design. And you you should be grateful for that. Yes. <laughs> So as far as if you had, if you had to give somebody advice uh, in terms of, you know, somebody who wanted to get started with uh, website design um, as a designer, didn't really know, you know, what step one would you say? So my step one is reading books. And so I think that it's it's helpful to read books. Just keep in mind that website and design in general grows and expands so quickly that anything you read is probably already going to be a few years dated. So Books are helpful, reading like articles and tutorial. Show it is a great way to start learning how to build a website because it's easier than WordPress and it doesn't require any code. And then I think that using WordPress builders like Elementor has been helpful too because it is so much easier and you don't have to code anything from scratch. I used to code every WordPress website from scratch. I would make a custom theme for each website and that's just a lot of work and a lot of code to learn. And I think that these days, the fortunate thing for anyone getting started is that you don't have to know as much code. It's still really helpful to know CSS, but I definitely didn't don't need to know like PHP the way that I used to. Yeah. And so I would say you don't have to be an expert in a, in a given language, but it's definitely helpful to start with maybe some HTML and some CSS as you get started. Because I think even in, even in show it, you're going to put those skills to, to use, mm -hmm. you know, even when it comes to CSS, right? Right. Yeah. So we won't spend a ton of time there because we have a lot of other uh, questions. But if you're interested in that topic, let us know. And maybe we'll have to have Krista back on uh, to discuss that a little bit uh, further. So the second question, our routine of having Jack at home while running a business. Do you want to take this one? Do you want to start it? Yeah, I can start okay. it. And then Krista. And, and I think what's funny about this is that it just changes so frequently. You know, I'm kind of thinking like, you know, Jack's only two and a half, not even two and a half yet, but just over two. And our routine has changed so much from the time he's been born until now, not only because we've moved a bunch, 
just within those two years or at least once, but also just because he changes so frequently, you know, like he's gone from, you know, as a newborn sleeping a lot during the day to going to like three naps a day to going to two naps a day to going to one nap a day. Well, and I think that things would have stayed more consistent because once he dropped to one nap at 14 months, it's it was pretty much the same schedule, except that COVID happened and that just completely changed our schedule too. Sure. So, uh, you know, it's kind of funny to talk about routine in general, but we are very intentional about our routine and we do try to maximize our time as much as possible. So typically what that looks like, especially now with, you know, a pandemic underway and um, certain things that we had access access to before uh, not having access to anymore, things are a little bit different. But today, what that kind of looks like is we have childcare for Jack come over in the afternoons. All right. So in the mornings, we are typically splitting our time with Jack. So uh, Crystal will take Jack for about an hour and a half, two hours some days, and I'll take uh, Jack for about an hour and a half, uh, two hours. And we switch, you know, sometimes Crystal will take the first shift, as we call it, and I'll take the second shift uh, or vice versa. We also get up pretty early in the morning. So I've been getting up at 430 in the morning just because I'm able to get some quiet time in an hour of work, and then about an hour or so uh, workout in before Jack ever wakes up. And I get up at about five and I do my quiet time and I work for about two hours before Jack gets up at seven or 7.30. Then we do breakfast and then one of us takes a shift and I do my workouts with Jack. So we run a couple days a week and then I do workouts, like a lifting workout a couple days a week and I just turn on a show for Jack and he doesn't watch a lot of TV. So he just sits there and watches it while I lift weights. Yeah. And that's usually only for about a half hour, 45 minutes or so tops. And then after that, uh, I'll take Jack. I don't work out with Jack in part because some of my workouts take just a little bit longer. You run so much further than I do. And I don't think he would sit there while you're running 10 miles. No, I think it would be a miserable. I think it'd be a miserable experience for all of us. So that's what we're doing in the morning. Then he goes down for his nap. And then when he wakes up, there's childcare. So we get some good stretches of a work in. And so what I would, you know, anybody who's, you know, has children and is running a business from home, one, we get how uh, challenging that can be. You know, I would say that throughout the season, there was a time period where we didn't have any childcare at all. And that was a really that was a really challenging season in terms of just getting the work done that we needed to get done, but then also being very present with Jack, which we of course want to do. You know, I run uh, another business till and, you know, that, that compounded that a little bit because I really can't just work a half a day. Right. We had another question that's kind of like related to this. Do you work when Jack is around or only during childcare? Neither one of us works when we have Jack. We're available over Slack in case somebody from our team has like a pressing question, but we're generally not checking email. We're not like op- like actively communicating during that time. We really try to be present with Jack or just doing things around the house with him. So he likes doing laundry with us right now and he likes vacuuming. So if we have like household needs, we'll take care of those when we have him. Yeah, absolutely. Loves pressing the button on the dryer for sure. But, you know, I think that there's always ways that you can try to stack some time so that you get some uninterrupted work. So for instance, back when the gym had childcare, which of course childcare isn't, isn't a thing at the gym right now, but when they did, it was great because, you know, during that, whoever was going to go, you know, to the gym that morning could take Jack and then the other person could be working at that time. And then when we came home, Jack would go down from his, for his nap and then childcare would come over the afternoon. So one of us every other day 
would pretty much get a, you know, quote unquote, full day uh, of work in. So we just try to stack our time as best as we can so that we get longer uninterrupted stretches of time to focus on Jack and then also to focus on work. And then when we're working, we're really focused. Like I don't normally check Instagram or Facebook. You're really focused. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I have to be. I, I don't normally check social media unless I have to go on there to post something. I only check email a couple of times a day. I don't send emails when I'm working in the morning. I use Boomerang to schedule emails typically to go later in the day to give myself like a bit of a break before I get responses. And so that helps me pace my work a little bit better. Are you still using Boomerang? Uh, well, I use the one that Gmail has built in now. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, use yeah. that. Sorry. I, I think I still have the boomerang button, but I use the built-in Gmail one. And I like with the schedule that we have, because I time myself and everything that I do, I work like seven or eight hours a day. So it's like a normal work day. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that there's ways, obviously, like everybody's in a different season. Everybody has different stuff going on, even state to state right now in the, in the country, right? There's different restrictions. So, you know, obviously it, it's not feasible and people might not want to adopt our schedule in particular. But I think the biggest thing is how can you block your time as much as possible to maximize it? Mm-hmm. So anyways, that was a pretty, we have more questions to uh, dive into. We already talked a little bit. So the next question is, how are we adapting during the pandemic? Do you have any thoughts about that in particular? I feel like we talked about a lot of those. Yeah. I mean, outside of the first few weeks, I feel like where it was just confusion and everything kind of was slow. I think the biggest adjustment for us was that we didn't have childcare in the, the middle of the pandemic. And so we had to adjust our schedule. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was a big one. You know, it's hard to talk about, I guess on one hand, because there's been so many changes, I think in the last couple months that it's hard to sort of keep track of what those were, you know, to a certain extent, I feel like we're starting maybe to settle into a new normal again, not to say that things are normal. That's not what I'm suggesting, but just that, you know, since all this has started, we finally set into a new routine within this season. So. Yeah, like we used to take a lot of tri- little trips outside of the house at night to entertain Jack, like walking around the bookstore. We'd go to the grocery store together and we had to figure out other ways to entertain him in the evenings that didn't involve leaving the house with him. Because right now, Davey's the only one who typically runs errands. I haven't been to the grocery store since like February. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of sad too because it was fun. It was a fun family thing to do. <laughs> sort of, you know, why that's fun, I don't know. But it it's one of those little things that uh, that I miss for sure. And, you know, I mean, that could be a, a business question too. So there wasn't a lot of specificity around that question. But even in terms of the business, I mean, I think everybody's done this, which is just, you know, really focusing on what we can do in our business right now that will hopefully pay off six months from now. Looking at different ways that um, we can keep our business lean for sure, you know, and really just focus on the things that make the biggest impact. So I think on on some level, anybody who's owned a business has taken some time to reevaluate that what that looks like. For us, really getting down to, okay, what is it that we want to focus on and can focus on right now? Fortunately, when it comes to websites, it doesn't. Re- we don't need to go into an office. It doesn't require any in-person interaction. So from that perspective, we've been able to serve our clients online. Same thing with Till Agency. You know uh, how we communicate with clients is um, is online. A lot of the businesses that we work with were online businesses, but still looking at different ways that we could 
keep our business lean. Like we went through our expenses at the beginning of the shutdowns and really just tried to figure out, okay, what do we need right now? And what are we just sort of paying for, but, but don't really use. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of that as well. Anything else to add to that? No, a lot of those expenses were software that you wanted to play with. <laughs> sure, yeah. And I've said this before on the podcast, I love playing around with new tools. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, okay, so a, a enjoyable personal question here, where and why are we moving? Or yeah, where why, and why are we moving? And then I guess uh, some questions around designing the house. So we are moving from Annapolis um, and we've lived in Maryland for how long now? Well, I've lived here all of my life except for college and then like a couple years post-college. Sure, but us together. Us together? Like eight years? I think our first two marriage we lived in Pennsylvania, two years of marriage we lived in Pennsylvania. Our first two marriages? (laughs) We haven't, just for anybody who caught that, we haven't, neither of us have been married before. I forgot a word. So since year two of our marriage, so eight years or so, we've been in Maryland together. But we grew up here. Yeah. And so we're moving from uh, the, the Annapolis area to uh, Lexington, Virginia. And that's such an interesting question. Uh, we are moving really to be closer to some friends of ours. And we're moving. And, it, you know, that's a, I feel like maybe an interesting reason for somebody to move, but I don't feel like it's that novel. You know, I think. Well, especially as our families are still here for the most part. Your family is still here. <laughs> So, and your family wants to leave. (laughs) That is true. My parents have talked about leaving for like years. Yeah. So in part, I mean, just even like my family specifically having um, moved throughout uh, the country, there is maybe less of an anchor when it comes to family here. And there's just like a lot of different opportunities that have lined up that have made, you know, a move like this possible. I think that if we had just a ton of family in the area that was sticking around, maybe it would be harder to move, especially having kids, you know, uh, or having Jack that... You know, it, it would just be something that we'd really consider more just in terms of staying. But, uh, you know, one of the things is like growing up, I always thought, and I feel like this is just a normal kid thought, like you grow up and you just think that you're going to live next door to your best friends all the time, your entire life, right? Which isn't like so far from true, especially as you're adults. Like we do have really good friends who live here in the Annapolis area, but nobody's like walking distance. So I don't think you said this, but where we're moving, we're next door to our friends and like some of their families. So there's just going to be a bunch of us right on the same beautiful property. And um, it's like a couple hundred acres that will be shared and the kids will be able to run around together. Yeah, it sounds very commune-like, not trying to paint it as much as a commune. But like I said, you know, you just grow up thinking, of, you know, of course I'm going to live like right next door to my friends. And I think for very few of us, does that actually end up being the case? And even if you live in the same area, so we, have, we do have a lot of friends in the Maryland area, but it's still sort of an event traveling and seeing them just as much as it is traveling and seeing, you know, uh, Buddy and Jill in Lexington. You know, it's like, you, you got to plan ahead and work out a date and stuff like this. Uh, and what we wanted to do is just move into a setting where literally, you know, you're walking over to your neighbor's house and you see them on the front porch and you can go hang out and, and, and things like that. So we'll have to talk about, you know, the story of how all this came together. Maybe we have uh, Buddy and Jill on the podcast since they were largely you know, this vision was was largely theirs, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they've invited so many different people into it. And so would love to talk about that, I think, on the podcast. If if you all are interested, let us know uh, for sure via Instagram or whatever, and, and we can make that happen. But where we're moving, there's no development right now. So we've had to, you know, in order to move there, we've had to build a house. And it's been 
a two-year process about. So two years this August. So we put our other house on the market almost exactly two years ago. It took a little while to sell. and But during that time, we purchased the land. And then Buddy started the process of building the road to even get to our property. And there were permits involved. And then we hired an architect, which was a really cool process. We looked at doing stock plans. And we we walked through a ton of model houses to kind of get an idea what we wanted. But we're building up on a hill. And we just didn't think that like standard Southern living plans would work for our land. So we hired someone to help us. Yeah. And and mostly I think just because how the terrain was laid out, we, we sort of determined that even if we were to use stock plans and a few that we really liked, mm-hmm. they would have to be adjusted so much by an architect yeah. that we might as well have just gone through the process of, of hiring an architect. And we hired an architect. He was awesome. He was great to work with. And but that took a few months. And then from there, we started building. The, they actually broke ground sometime, I think, last October. So we're coming up on about a year here of just the building process alone. But we've been living in my dad's house for the last two years. And we love my dad. But we, we need to leave. We didn't think he was going to be here. When we moved here, he was living abroad and working in Dubai. And then he retired early, came home, was planning tra- to travel more. But then the pandemic happened. So we moved in thinking we'd have a lot more space than we actually ended up with. And so it's a tight squeeze. So we've had one bathroom for like almost two years. So we shower on top of Jack's toys and <laughs> we're really close to Jack. And we're very excited to have our furniture back and just have our own space. I do want to talk about a little, somebody asked about like designing the house. Yeah. One thing I thought that our architect did that was really cool, he asked us how we live our life. So he asked us, to write a manifesto, like describing our lifestyle. So we talked about how we work from home. We're talking commune, manifestos. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But he did ask us to write sort of like a, a house manifesto. Yeah, a house manifesto. Not, yeah. He asked like, do you wake up early or do you sleep in? I think just to figure out like what way should our bedroom orient it? Like how do we spend a lot of time in our rooms or our communal space is more important? So the bedrooms are smaller the communal spaces are bigger. There's like one big kitchen, dining room, living room area. And then we have a private separate office that's above the garage. And there's another couch that'll be in there for another hangout space. But it was cool to go through that design process with him and figure out a house that worked for us. Yeah, absolutely. Really got to focus on the things that are important to us. So like Krista said, uh, smaller bedrooms because we're just not the people that spend time in our bedrooms. And we don't want our kids to be bedroom people either. We we want them to be out and about for sure. Uh, And I say kids, we only have one kid. (laughs) You know, God willing, we'll have more. But, you know, point being is that we wanted to emphasize the communal spots and we have a great view. And so we wanted to take advantage of of those sorts of things. So it was really great going through this process. It very much reminded me of the the branding process, you know, like we have all of our clients go through the brand questionnaire. And so we're drawing out a lot of this of similar stuff, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to business, so that was a pretty great experience. All right. We got to move on. We might not get to all these questions here. We might need to do a second episode. Yeah, for sure. So let's go on to biggest differences between show it and WordPress slash Elementor. So this is a question that we get often um, because we design on both platforms. And I'm going to let Krista answer this one. The only thing that I want to preface this with is we really like both platforms. We're huge fans of show it uh, in particular, because we know the founder of the company, we know the team there. And I just think that their heart for the, their business and how they serve people is outstanding. So really love both platforms and people always want to know which one is quote better 
you know, and I think a lot of it's going to come down to personal preference because we're not going to build on a platform that we don't think is a good platform. Oh, yeah. I mean, we love Show It. I love building sites on Show It. Um, we used to have a Show It website, but as our shop grew, it was really challenging to keep our shop on word on show it show it's really designed for more a little bit more of a simple site it's amazing to edit it because you can put things anywhere you want you can make it really pretty and do a lot of like fancy layering and stuff so i love it for that aspect it really wasn't meant to hold a big e-commerce website which is what we were getting to be yeah and to clarify simple you mean more i think we don't mean simple and functionality no, like you don't need the and you like with Show It. There is no integrated cart system in Show It, so you have to add it in like through Shopify or through WooCommerce. Um, and if you add it through WooCommerce on Show It, it's a little bit more limited. So if you need a really robust shop, or if there are other like plugins that you really want, I think WordPress and Elementor can be a little bit better of a way to go. I love Show It because. It, this setup is super simple. So if you buy a show it website template from us, you get this tiny little code, you add it to your website, and then it's all ready to customize. With WordPress, while you can customize more in the long run, there's a little bit more setup. It can be a little bit more fragile. If you don't keep your plugins updated, things may start not working right. So that's like, there's more flexibility in WordPress, but it's also a little more fragile because of that. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for an easy an easy to use website platform, show it is for sure the way to go, I think. And that's what we were pretty upfront with people about that. If you are a service-based business, I would say show it is the way to go. You know, it's really when you get into e-commerce and especially if it's a true e-commerce platform or business where that is how that business makes money is through e-commerce, then it just makes sense to go with an e-commerce platform. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense of this. I have written a post about ShowIt and WordPress that compared the two. I think it's a pretty fair assessment of both platforms, both strengths and weaknesses. So that is uh, on our blog if you search for it. I think it's also just linked to throughout the site. So it's pretty easy to find. So question number six about podcasting, and we've actually covered more than six questions here. So if you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, we are, they're already 30 minutes in and they're only a question six. We, a lot of these have been combined as we talked about them. But this question is about podcasting. The best and hardest part about podcasting, what would you recommend for as a first step for someone to get started? And one thing that you'd do differently if you were to start a podcast tomorrow, that is a great question. I'd say one of the hardest things about podcasting is just it requires a little bit of setup you know, like it requires a little bit of technology, you know, and bringing uh, different things together to, to record an episode. I don't particularly love editing. And so I just don't do it. And so one of the things that I think one of the best decisions I made early on was that I've never actually edited my own podcast. We've had somebody internally edit it for a while. And then after that, we outsourced it. And it was just one of those things where if it wasn't going to be outsourced, it wasn't going to get done because I hate listening to myself. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean that like, you know, uh, that I don't like the content I share or whatnot, but I just think maybe some of you can, can sympathize with this. Like, I just don't, I think I get too critical of different mistakes. And so even though they're not big mistakes, but maybe I, I slip up a little bit, I want to go and edit every little thing. Whereas our editors, they just, they roll with it and they get it out and they get it done and they understand done is better than perfect. So that has been one of the best things about podcasting. I would say also, it's just a medium that is not as superfluous, not superfluous is the right word, ubiquitous as blogging 
you know, not everybody has a, if you compare the number of podcasts versus the number of blogs, there'd be four more blogs than podcasts. It is a growing medium. So I think more and more people are listening to podcasts. So it's been a great, just top of funnel, I don't know, sort of lead generator for us. I think a lot of people have learned about us through the podcast. And so I always say, hey, it's a great way, I think, for people to build an audience. So I so I highly recommend getting into podcasting if it's a medium that you feel like you would enjoy. What would you recommend for a first step is getting started? Just getting started. You know, I think that's, again, one of the things that I did early on was I just decided I was going to do it. I got the gear. I had a friend, uh, shout out to Tyler Harrington, uh, helped me get set up with the initial tech stuff. And then I just got started. Well, you recorded a few episodes to go live together so that you didn't just release one episode all of a sudden. You had, I think, three that people could listen to. Yeah, I actually think I recorded five episodes, released the first three, and then had two kind of waiting. Um, and I definitely batch stuff like that. Again, just going back to block scheduling and doing things in, you know, as much as you can in, in groups of time there. You know, we are actually starting a podcast for Till Agency. So I've had to think through things that I do differently. One of the things that we're doing for the Till Agency podcast is we're doing different segments, you know, so we're starting each each show off with a, a certain segment. And then there's the, the bulk of the content. And then we end with a segment, things like that. I think it just adds a little bit of variety to the show and allows you to maybe bring up different interesting things, even if it's not totally on the topic of the episode. So that's that's one thing that I know is going to be different for the Till Agency podcast versus something like Brands That Book. There are probably a lot of little things that I would, I, I'm going to do an episode on podcasting in particular. So that's coming um, where I'll talk more about that. Um, next question. How do you budget as a new business and as an established business when income is less reliable than going to a job? Okay. I feel like this is a Krista question because I am like the queen of numbers and budgets and all of those things. In both our business and in our personal life, we have a six-month emergency fund. And we had about six months of reserve income built up in this photography business before we even left our job. So I left my job as a designer for a nonprofit a couple of years before Davey left his job as a teacher. And so having that cushion makes it easier to leave and not stress about if you have a slow week or if somebody doesn't book you or maybe if a pandemic hits. We do try to keep our business and our personal life, our budgets like really lean. We don't spend a lot on things that we don't need. And then I, I track everything every month. So within our business, we go over our expenses every month and then actually every Saturday for our personal life in Mint, I go through and, and check out all of our spending and I can see exactly where we are with different things. Yeah. And so it's not unusual for Krista to send me a list of things at the end of a month saying, hey, do we still need these things? So it's something that we're just paying attention to. I'd say the the biggest resource when it comes to finance in our lives has been the one that with the biggest impact has probably been Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. And you may have heard others talk about that book and that resource and Dave Ramsey in general, but really we followed that to a T pretty much. And I think it served us really well. And I'm really grateful. It's funny. I give Michael Alsup, who actually introduced us to Dave Ramsey or his resources. I give Michael a hard time because at the time I wanted to buy a Jeep. And that was, I was really excited about it. I wanted to buy a Jeep Wrangler. And I, he wanted a new like $30,000 or I don't even know how much I got. You wanted a new one. Yeah. So it was more than $30,000 because I don't even know if you can get a new $30,000 oh. Jeep. But point being, I was really excited about this. Wanted a new Jeep, a Jeep Wrangler. I had one in college. We had gotten rid of it. The, the, hold this long story. But the, the short of it is 
Michael introduced us to Dame Ramsey and Chris was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not buying this car. We're not taking out a loan for this car. We are paying off all of our student debt. We had a ton of student debt at the time. And so uh, we learned just to live lean and then taking that, you know, taking that. And then even after we got out of debt, continuing to live lean after that, I think has just served us really well. And if you, you know, and not getting back in the debt. So like we have one car right now and we don't need more than that. So we share one car. We don't have a car payment. We don't have any student loans or credit cards or anything anymore. Yeah. And so, well, we do have credit cards, but we don't keep any money on the credit cards. Mm -hmm. So Krista actually pays our credit cards at the end of every week. Mm -hmm. So that is one area that we do deviate from Dave Ramsey. But She's also trained me. She's also trained me well. So, you know, I almost, I I joke that it it hurts every time I spend money on something, you know, because it's like, what is it? Pavlov, the like getting shocked every time you do something. Mm, But anyways, anyways, been (laughs) trained well. So that's a great, so I'd check out Dave Ramsey's total, total, total money makeover. Another thing that I've heard uh, really good things about, I read it. I don't know. I don't think we've ever implemented this though, is profit first. I've heard really good things about that resource as well from a business perspective. um, If you're looking at for a a business resource, when it comes to paying yourself and things like that. I do know that advocates for paying yourself first, whereas we kind of did the opposite and paid ourselves a lot less than we could have for a long time to make sure that we had business reserves and we learned to live on a lot less too. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm sure there are a number of different approaches out there, but those are the two that come to mind. And Dave Ramsey in particular has been super helpful for us. So uh, next question, love to talk about marketing. How have you gotten your business out there? Maybe where you guys learned to take, take yourselves from photographers to where you are today. So, that is a question that is probably, I hope has been unpacked a little bit throughout the entire podcast, <laughs> just like each episode, hopefully talking about that a little bit. Hopefully you've heard me talk about, you know, different things that we've done from a marketing perspective. I think a few things that we've really focused on and have been really beneficial is, I mean, the given stuff, like we want to serve our clients well, and then we want to share the work that we've done for them and share their wins, you know, and things like that. But, you know, even from like a PR perspective, creating content and then getting that content out there, you know, something that was big for us, I think, as photographers was just getting published and realizing, you know, the the trust that people will extend to you when they've seen your work in a publication or that you can say that you've been in a publication. And then beyond that, you know, backlinks from publications, which which helped in terms of things like search engine optimization and uh, helped us rank on the first page for different keywords that were important to us. And this is all even back in the photography business and then extending those lessons to Davey and Krista. And I think one thing that we've always been really focused on is education and creating as much content as possible. And I think you know, we literally, Vanessa and I, this is actually, it's going to be episode 101. Vanessa and I already recorded it though, is uh, talking about building trust and demand. And so much of that comes down to serving people well. And there's different, there's other things that we talk to when it comes to building trust and then creating content, educating people. But yeah. And also networking. When I was first becoming a photographer, I became friends with Natalie Frank and we started a local networking group in Annapolis. And we got together, I think once a month at that time with vendors from all over the Maryland area. And so we met a ton of people through that. We did style shoots together with all sorts of people. And we built a lot of relationships by giving people images, by being kind and referring hair and makeup people. We had a wedding blog. And so people love to get featured on that. And that built our reputations as well. And then eventually we started Rising Tide Society. And so that was 
the ultimate networking group. And so just like building relationships through that. Yeah, I think relationships have been huge. And, you know, and this ties into another question that I guess we don't have to answer because I'll answer it right now, which is one thing you continue to do, even if you didn't get paid to do it. You know, I love building relationships with people. I love hearing about, you know, what they need. Um, I do some coaching. We don't really advertise it, but I take on a handful of coaching uh, clients uh, throughout the year. And I just like seeing people's business or helping uh, people improve their businesses. And, I think that's something that I'd I'd continue doing even if I didn't get paid for it. Just just in the sense of uh, I I love building relationships with people and you know coming alongside them and hearing about you know what they have going on. So relationships too. I mean, it's just what I gravitate to. I think even in terms of our businesses. Mm-hmm. So with Till, you know, I, I do a lot of marketing, content creation, things like that, and I feel like so much of marketing is building relationships. And not in a manipulative way to get things out of relationships. You know, a a lot of times relationships take a long time to form and they they have to form organically and from a place of not asking for anything. But it's so interesting to see the power of those relationships and what different opportunities they lead to. Oh, and if I could get paid or not get paid for doing something, it'd still probably be design or something in the design aspect. So, um, I mean, on Saturday, I came up with a logo for fun while we were sitting with our friends. So I just, I love design. I love painting, which I share a lot about on my Instagram. And at at this point, I don't want to ever sell my art. And then I also love like interior design. So it's been really fun for me to think about what we want in each room of our house and kind of come up with the overall aesthetic for it. And yeah, I mean, even thinking about my role in the different businesses and we have a, a, even a new project that I'm excited to share about at some point, but a lot of it is just helping people succeed in different areas, you know? And I would say that like for Davey and Krista, I'm not necessarily the one designing the brand or the logo, but I love, you know, helping people get to a spot where they can, you know, same thing with their website and websites. I have a little bit more of a hand in and then, you know, moving on to till agency and paid advertising and things like that, you know, seeing people grow their business through paid advertising. So yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully that answers that question. Uh, And hopefully it doesn't come off as like too, I don't know what the right word is, earnest, eager, you know, or whatever. But (laughs) anyways, a couple of these questions we've already answered as we go through them just around, you know, childcare and and stuff like that. Things we implement uh, to keep work-life balance. I feel like we answered that a little bit, but we can expound on that a little bit as well. Do you want to start? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that not answering emails at certain times is has been vital. I don't really look at my phone very much once we put Jack down. We tend to do like cleaning up personal projects. I've had a lot of house stuff to research at night. Um, You'll probably never get an email from us after work hours or before like normal work hours start, even if we are working. We don't really work on weekends unless it was like an emergency and somebody's site is down and we need to get it up. And then we also really try to do things together as a family. So I think planning activities helps make sure that we're not tempted to work. So Like right now in Annapolis, we like to walk downtown and get ice cream on weekends. And we do a lot of walks around the – we live near the Navy Stadium. So it's like a two-mile walk that we do on most evenings when it's not 100 degrees out. Yeah. (laughs) Blistering hot. During naps on weekends, I like to paint because that's probably the only uninterrupted paint time that I get. I'm normally too tired at night. So having uh, active activity – like an active rest – 
activity for me has been really good to not be tempted to work. And then I think exercising too, like we both really try to build that in. And so I, I don't have time to check my email when I'm running. Yeah, for sure. I think all of that, I think all of that's true. And just trying to be present in whatever activity we're doing at that time. So, you know, if we're hanging with friends, we're hanging with friends. If we're, if it's time to spend with Jack, then we're spending time with Jack. And when it's work and it's work, we have meals together. So even breakfast we do together, lunch, not so much just because that's more dependent on Jack. And, you know, again, just how we sort the middle of the day, but dinner we do together as well. And so, you know, it's not like you know, most nights, Krista, you're, you're making dinner. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it's not like I'm making dinner and Chris is working. That's certainly not the case. But, you know, we try to we try to sit down for dinner together. And that keeps I think it, it just creates a natural bookend to the end of the day. And then, you know, I think this is something that I'm grateful to you for, which is we just don't send emails after work hours. And we just schedule them for the next day unless it's something that has to be responded to. Absolutely. And the standard for that is high, you know, because I think you can always justify, oh, well, I should answer this right now. So hopefully that answers that question. Parts of your business that you outsource, we're coming down to the last few here. Parts of your business that you outsource, maybe how this has changed from when you started until now. That's a great question. I would say that early in our business, we outsourced nothing. nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did all the things. And that, you know, I go back and forth on all of that. Like uh, on one hand, it's good, you know, to learn a lot. It's good to learn what it takes, what different aspects of your business take. Even if it's just, you know, when you do outsource it, you're more grateful and more understanding of the person that you outsource it to, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing uh, from that perspective. And also just there's certain things like even if you're going to, so for instance, I think a good example is copywriting. Copywriting is something that we have been outsourcing as of late. We've had our friend Jessica Jordana going through different pages of our website and we're kind of, it's, you know, sort of an iterative thing. Uh, we're not, we haven't tackled our entire website, but copywriting is something that I feel like I can do. Uh, I've taken some time to learn. I feel like it takes me just a lot longer, you know, and I'm going to go maybe a little bit more slowly than you know, for instance, like when we hire Jess, where she cranks out, you know, great copy, it's super long, you know, (laughs) it's just good. But point being is like, I still think that copywriting is something that, you know, every business owner maybe should have a a basic understanding of. Right. And I don't think that Jess could have, I mean, maybe she could have, I don't know if she could have quite come up with the copy that she did if you hadn't taken a stab at it first and kind of like thought through all of the different things on those sales pages and gotten like the general ideas out there. So I think because you had kind of done some of it already, she could just make it like killer. And that's just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, and I think that's true of anything. I mean, even of like website design, somebody coming to us, you know, if they can provide a framework for what they want, of course, it's going to be that much better instead of just saying, you know, I don't really know what I want. And here's a, you know, a blank piece of paper and oh, just yeah. come up with something, I right? Mean, it's, so I can do a lot, but it's hard for me to work from like nothing. So if, if somebody has like a framework for what they want, it just makes my job so much easier. Yeah. And so for Jess, for instance, going through that process, we filled out questionnaires and stuff like that. But we try to outsource, I mean, things that make sense to outsource. I mean, really, I think it's just looking at our time. And okay, so if we if we didn't spend time on this, all right, what would that free us up to do? 
And does it make more sense to invest in whatever that frees us up to do? Does that, would, would that make us, you know, more money, uh, in order to do that? And if so, then we typically make the decision to outsource, you know, something that I finally got Chris to outsource recently is bookkeeping, you know, just because bookkeeping has become a much different task than it, than it was when we first started our business and had fewer transactions and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I can do it in about two hours, but they definitely do it a lot better than me. And I think. It's not that expensive to have them do it. We outsource like filing payroll taxes. You outsource your podcast editing. We've outsourced video editing. We outsource cleaning our house. We used to shoot film. And so while we didn't outsource actual like editing of the images, film is kind of outsourcing editing. It definitely takes a lot of the like hard work out of it. Yeah. And even from, and, and you know, and that's, I, I guess just when it comes to outsourcing, I would say a lot of the stuff that we we outsource now we used to hustle with earlier mm-hmm. you know so it wasn't like you know like i wouldn't say to a new business owner who has maybe less expenses than somebody who's been in business for a few years and things have really started kicking up to outsource their bookkeeping i mean if they if it absolutely gives them nightmares at night you know like of course okay yeah okay find find somebody else that that's going to do it and do it well so that so that your book, bookkeeping is done and done well so you can file taxes and all but you know, if we try, I mean, even, and we've talked about this on a different episode when it came to Till Agency, we tried to do as much stuff of ourselves and kept things as lean as possible with Till Agency until we grew it to a certain point. And then all of a sudden, it, for us to get to sort of the next level uh, of growth, we had to outsource things because we didn't have the time to invest in those things that would get us to the next level of growth. So hopefully that provides a little bit of framework and, and idea of what we outsource and, and why. All right. So there is a question here. We are, let's see, we have two questions left. The We'll, we'll answer this one first. Best advice for a newly full-time business owner working from home, especially workflow. I will say routine. Find a routine. Yeah. And having a, a strict work schedule. So I don't think that we would be able to accomplish all that we do with 15 hours of childcare a week if we weren't so strict about our schedules and our routines. And as a business owner and a new business owner at that, yeah, it says newly or newly full-time business owner. But I think all of you who own businesses, right, which is I would assume pretty much everybody who, who listens to the podcast all of you probably realize how much stuff you could do in a day. You could do all of the things. I think that's one of the, the biggest transitions into running your own business. It's just like, hey, what, what do I focus on? Because there are just so many different options. So really creating systems for things that are repeatable, all right? And making time during the week, like maybe every Monday is your editing day. All right. If you're a photographer, maybe every Tuesday and Thursday, you're going to devote or or you're going to make certain times that you meet with clients. But if you can get into a routine and really systematize different aspects of your business, I think that's going to be really helpful. And then, you know, don't try to do it all at once. You know, really asking yourself, like, what is the one thing that I can do today that's going to move my business forward? And if it doesn't, because I think we can trick ourselves. And I talked to, Maybe I talked to Jordan Demos about this back on uh, and Jordan and Amy back on uh, like episode two or one, but it was, you know, getting into the habit of creating a big to-do list that doesn't really have anything meaningful on it just so you can cross things off 
your list. So really talking about, you know, like look at the month, doing some planning and saying, okay, what is going to move my business forward today? What is that one thing over the course of a week? What is that one thing over the course of a month? And being ruthless about it. If it doesn't qualify, get rid of it. You don't have to do it. You know, don't focus on it. Yeah. I think I would definitely echo that. And then also keeping blinders on, like, I feel like I have to kind of limit how much I'm taking in. So I don't spend a lot of time on social media. I don't look at a lot of people's stories and not because I don't want like those people or want to see what they're doing, but I feel like the more I watch, the more ideas pop into my head and then I feel like I need to be doing more. And I think it distracts me from the things that I actually need to do to move our business forward. So a good example is email. If I were to keep my inboxes open all day long, I would feel like I need to respond right away. And most people don't need a response in an hour or even a couple of hours. So if I can keep my inboxes closed and I can focus on the tasks that actually matter for our business, that we actually get paid to do, that are going to help us get to our five, 10-year goals, that's what I need to be doing. Yeah. And I think that one of the, you know, speaking of keeping blinders on just, I mean, having an understanding of what other businesses are doing or maybe doing even some competitor analysis, that sort of thing, like that's all, you know, well and good. But at the same time, I think that limiting how much you're taking in from social media, from people in your industry will keep you more fresh. And maybe that sounds unintuitive, but instead of thinking, oh, so-and-so is doing this. And so now I feel like I need to have an aspect of my business that, that does the same thing. Or that you can't do something similar. Yeah. I think that none of that is helpful. So I find that I am more innovative when I am less concerned with what other people are doing in our respective industries and whether it be till whether it be for Davy and Krista and again it's not that I'm I try to be completely unaware of what's going on there's definitely a balance but you know if you're always looking at whatever somebody else is doing and you're always you know to a certain extent trying to trying to copy that or trying to incorporate that into your business then you're always going to be following all right so um, I think keeping blinders on is good advice as well having structured work time and being comfortable with the the time that's not work time. Like maybe you decide, like we typically work in, uh, from 4.30 to 5 in the, <laughs> that sounds like a lot, but there's different periods of time in that, that we're, we're either resting or we're, we're working out or something like that. But I mean, that's the general time frame during the day that, that work might be happening. And so when's work's happening, like work's happening when it's not, it's not. And that's okay. You know, like it's okay to shut off your computer. Your, your business isn't going to end if you do that and you take some time with your family. So Hopefully that's helpful. That could probably be its own episode as well. With that said, though, there are plenty of episodes, I think, where that have covered similar things with people. Mm -hmm. So last question, I saved it for last. I feel like, you know, it's interesting because I really do have trouble. So the question is this, what do the next five years look like for you all personally and professionally? This is always my least favorite question because I feel like life changes so much and I am not a long-term thinker. (laughs) Yeah. And if you asked me what the last five years, like if you asked me five years ago, what, you know, 2020 would look like, I mean, okay, of course, minus pandemic and all the other stuff that 2020 has, has, has brought, I would have never guessed, you know, like I would, like there'd just be so many, there's even moving to Lexington, you know, that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been something that I even mentioned as a possibility. So it's really hard to think about what the next five years will look like. 
so the only thing that I can say is that it's not like the last few years have certainly been years of transition uh, in different ways. But, you know, certainly this last two years of, of not really living in our own space. And so I joke with Krista that once we get into our own space again, we are never leaving. We are never traveling again. Of course, that's not true. We love to travel, but there will be a serious you know, I'm going to have a newfound appreciation for being in a place and in a community and just again, being in our own space again. So I hope that in the next five years, there is sort of this sense of growing into that, like growing into a place, you know, and not maybe as much transition and change as there has been over the last you know, a few years. And that's not to say that I haven't appreciated the transition and change from the last few years. I mean, even starting till agency, I mean, some of those kinds of changes, which have been just so much fun. Like, uh, of course, you know, I hope that there's always freshness like that, but I am excited to be in a place. Yep. And we've moved... I don't know, like six or seven times since we got married. So I'm, I'm hoping that this is a longer term move. Absolutely. So uh, I hope that was as enjoyable for you all as it has been for us. Right now is one of the things that I'm not going to miss is that my office is upstairs without air conditioning. It is probably near 100 degrees outside. And so that means it's pretty hot in the office as well. So we are both sweating. And, and so we, we're, we're ready to wrap this up as well since we are uh, approaching a, an hour. Thank you again for listening. I hope that an episode, even if it's just one episode over the last hundred has been beneficial to your business. And like I said, we are always looking for feedback when it comes to the podcast, new topic ideas. We want to hear about um, the topics that you all would like us to discuss. We also hope that this sort of mailbag segment that we're adding to the Brands of Book podcast allow us to answer more of your direct questions as well. So don't be strangers. Feel free to DM us on Instagram those questions. Send us an email, reach out, carrier pigeon, whatever it is, let us know and we'd be happy to answer those. Thanks. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to deviancrista.com. 